Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, boys. What are you doing over there? Fighting the Zermans? Have you ever done you any harm? But I ask you, boys, what is democracy? Do you enjoy the same rights as white people do in America? You have been made the tool of the egotistical rich. There is a vast and insidious conspiracy at play here in Tulsa. Who are you? Giddy effing up. Let's ride. We are talking HBO's Watchmen Season 1, Episode 2, Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. The After Buzz After Show starts right now. I'm Maria Menounos, and you're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV Talk. TikTok, 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 TikTok. That's right. It's about that time we are talking all things Watchmen, HBO's Watchmen, this revival of it, season one, episode two, Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. Talk about an episode, talk about a ride. Wow. Magnets. <laughs> Strong magnets. Strong <laughs> magnets, that is right. We are the magnet keepers. Who watches the Watchmen? More importantly, who watches the after show? All of you. And who are we? We are the panel that will be bringing this Watchmen to life. All the way to my left, far left, the one, the only, the dream team member himself, Mr. DC Comics, Ryan Nielsen. Yes, Ryan building. Nielsen here, producer here at AfterBuzz TV and Popcorn Talk, produced DC Movie News. So excited to be here with Drew. I like being here with Drew. So <laughs> amped to That's, be here with Drew and Tehran today. We are all so happy to be here with Mr. Party People Mr. Herself. Party People. Yes, everything is gender neutral. Drew Jones <laughs> is in the building. The party master herself, the one and only who brings everyone to the party Inclusive. But me. That's not what happened, but go off. Sis. We love having you on the, because your opinions are amazing. Mm. And also, you are extremely knowledgeable about everything there is to be knowledgeable about, especially in, DC. In the world. That mm. is right. That is a true thing. I, on the other hand, am <laughs> the idiot that was not invited to Drew's party. <laughs> My name is Tehran. I will be hosting and paneling on this. But, of course, all of you at home are hosting and paneling as well. We will be keeping an eye out on the chat. The chat has a lot to say. Ryan? That's right. I am keeping an eye on the chat. We got Gracie and Ryan. Good name in the chat. She's he or she is very she. Very curious to see what we're thinking about the episode. Uh, thinking stuff about Jeremy Irons. So WTF was the first comment. Well, that should be the first comment because that's how I felt. I am a DC connoisseur as well and we talk all things right here. We're going to be breaking down this particular episode, HBO's Watchmen season and one episode two martial feats of comanche horsemanship in this way first we have to discuss the i'm will who are you the interrogation of will reeves and that reveal will reeves has friends in high places and he wasn't kidding usually when people say that they're just saying stuff but not will hanging around that's right the reaction of seeing the chief hung christmas surprise the white knight we see that night being unveiled nixonville roundup that attack, telling Topher the talk between mother and son, American hero story, hooded justice, and I do mean hooded, memorial, that memorial and that 
keeping it in the closet. Ozzy's play, our special segment, Buy or Sell. Cha-ching is when we say something we bought about the episode and something we're selling. New Angle to discuss the show. We have some news and gossip you're going to want to stay tuned for. And our predictions where Drew has a crystal ball. She knows all. I actually left that at home, but I'll just use the brain today. You'll use the dot with the circle. Yeah, that's a... (laughs) Dr. Manhattan reference, and so much more. What were your overall thoughts on this week's episode, Drew? Um, I like that we got some confirmations of some things I think we were suspecting last week, so I'm I'm content with this so far. Such a good episode. Yeah, confirmations like, for example, uh, Topher was Angela Abar's partner, and they took their kids after they were killed during the White Knight. Really fascinating. I remember we were speculating last episode about, uh, you know, this, this black couple adopting... Uh, some white kids, and that's the trope that's kind of been putting on its head, and now we have some backstory to it. Mm-hmm. Um, really interesting. Learned a lot, and we got another weird scene with Jeremy Irons <laughs> and Azazimandias, so hopefully that's all going to lead somewhere. But yeah, this show, it, it's got me. I There's so many unique metaphors. A lot of match cuts this episode from scene to scene, from flashback to flashback. Pretty interesting. What do you think? I think that we should all be ready for the drinking game in which you say the name Damon Lindelof. And we take a sip of whatever it is. I feel that this show is possibly the most interesting, intriguing, and enamoring show on television today. It is every bit as good as the hype. I am impressed each episode. I am waiting for the ball to drop. And so far, the ball has not dropped. Watching Regina as the main star, she is amazing. An absolute amazing talent. Then we get, of course, Louis Gossett Jr. as Will Reeves. How crazy is that to put acting royalty in the same scene? You're only going to get the top level of acting, and you do. Oftentimes, I watch the show and have to remind myself, this is fantasy, they are acting. This is a world I totally buy into. The concept of Nixonville and referendations, very, very on point. Social commentary is on fleek. Are the kids still saying that, Drew? <laughs> um, I'm going to say no. No, because no, I saw not. a couple of the kids at your party using that term. They were saying that. And they you were. know what? You were just saying it now because we're live every 7 p.m. PST Sunday night. So if for those listening on audio, that's where you can catch us. Just want to throw that in real quick. That's right. That's on fleek as well. <laughs> I'm Will. Who are you? Interrogation of Will Reeves. We saw this interrogation of a person who by all means should be in jail and yet is not. What were your thoughts? It was just really interesting to watch how obviously she didn't turn him in immediately because I feel like she, you know, when you meet someone, you're like, I feel like we know each other. There's some connection. And it's like, oh, you find out like we're cousins or something like like I think she had that sort of inkling. Yeah. By she, of course, you mean Angela Abar. Angela Abar, yes. Regina's character. That was a unique uh, way that she discovered that and how she went to that. Um that history, that museum, and you see the technology. The technology in this world has been introduced to us in a really unique way. It's kind of just in the background. Like, we know they don't have cell phones or iPhones. They still use pagers, but yet they still have these this ability to do, uh, I guess, reenactments in museums and, and, and just project uh, people from that era and also have the Secretary of State do, like, a video message while you can get DNA. It's just interesting how the technology can really vary in this show. But uh, finding out that, you know, to get the red Redations in Tulsa, she just used a swab from that coffee mug she had him use and find out that she is his granddaughter. Reveal. 
Uh, I thought that was really fascinating. So they're related in some way. I think now we just got to ask, you know, who are her parents and what's been going on with that. And we still don't know about that baby from the first episode. But really interesting. I think Will is a really funny character. Uh, that ending just said it all. He's got friends in high places. Does he? I still don't know if he actually has powers or not because he would have moved those pills, I think. And yet he didn't. So maybe he's just a pawn or he's friends with people who do have these powers. So we definitely see Will Reeves has some type of psychological hold on Angela. Here he is very abrupt. He's almost harsh in his truth. He's got this mysterious way about him that's revealing all at the same time. We see that Angela and Will do have some sort of connection, but we aren't sure as of what yet. And then, of course, with the reveal that he is, in fact, her grandfather. And we are under the assumption that he is the the child who grew up from the first episode. And now we have a storyline or a subplot to look forward to. Why do you think Angela did not take Will in to be arrested? I think she's really logical and it doesn't make sense. Like, it it didn't make sense to arrest him because how do you have a 105-year-old man string up, you know, this 200-something-plus body? It just doesn't make sense. I don't think she thinks illogically. Like, I think she has to have reasoning behind it. She, I also don't think she would have been able to go right there because it might have revealed her identity because she was called at her house and saw and found the chief and found That's Crawford true. hung up. While she wasn't in, you know, her her vigilante costume, uh, so it would have been it could have risked her blowing her cover on that front. I also don't think it was what you were saying. It was just a logical thing. Like she didn't really buy that he had done it. Maybe he he witnessed it. Maybe he's a crazy old man. So I think she was trying to rule out all the possibilities. I mean, even when she goes to that crime scene and she's with Glass and he's kind of suspicious of her, interrogating her because I think she would have had a more immediate emotional response seeing that the first time than. She actually uh, led on. Uh, I think that kind of says it all right there. And at the end, just get learning that this person is related to her and that, oh, he absolutely had something to do with this. Uh, with the killing, he, she has no choice but to bring him in. Well, interestingly enough, she does not present the fact that she knew about the hanging when she is called to the right. scene. So if she's doing it to protect her identity, why not admit that she had been there before or was aware of the hanging? What does she have to prove? Well, I think she didn't admit it there because she didn't have to. Uh, technically, like she was, she wasn't appearing as Angela Avar. So, but when she goes to you know Crawford, Jane Crawford's house, the wife. She doesn't say anything, so right now she's already withholding uh, information. I think it was just because she wasn't certain about anything yet. She heard he's got skeletons in his closet. She had to rule out all these possibilities, and then it's revealed the Ku Klux Klan uniform, like the cloak, and she immediately asks him, did you plan it there? Like, she's so convinced that that's not him, that she knew this guy, and that was told through such a beautiful flashback of when they're taking him down from, um, off of the tree, and she's hugging him, and it cuts to her and her husband on the white night. And you see that whole sequence of when their house was broken into and when uh, all the Rorschach masks, uh, cavalry broken and shot her. And you, it's sort of unclear how she survived that because that sequence ends with a gun in her face and then it fades to Crawford at her bedside. So for all we know, Crawford could have been that Rorschach mask. I don't know. True. I've just been thinking about 
kind of, I mean, on topic, but kind of off, off topic. She pulled up without her mask and everything, but then when she was reinterrogating him, she put all of it on. She did. And it didn't really make a lot. I mean, I guess it kind of made sense to me after you think about the hidden justice and him, him talking about, you know, wearing a mask because he doesn't know who he is. Mm. So that's been kind of... I think that's absolutely it. I thought it was definitely something where she's putting on her persona. Now she's going into Sister Night mode, and therefore she needs to put on her her costume because we all wear masks, and the masks come with the clothes we wear. And we often have these saying, like, the clothes make the man in such a way. This is actually more true for a vigilante. And especially in this form with her not arresting Will Reeves, I feel like she's taking the vigilante role more so than... The detective role. As she's rolling up, we see everyone calling out detective, detective. So now we we are now confirmed the fact that the vigilantes are actually paid members of the police force. They are people mm. who are enlisted as well. True. Let's talk about Will Reeves and what we think he might have as far as powers. Right. False <sighs> or not false, Drew. Tick tock, tick tock. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, we haven't seen enough. I don't think he, I'm not sure. I don't think he has powers. I think knowledge is his power. Ooh. I kind of like that. (laughs) Similar to maybe how Ozymandias with Jeremy Irons character, how he, that knowledge is sort of his power. I think, I think he both has friends in high places, meaning maybe someone like a Dr. Manhattan is keeping him alive this long. He said he's 102 or 105. 105. Uh, which possible, yes, but probably not as spry as he is, even though he has no use of his legs. Uh, I think he he might have some power in that it is his knowledge. He might not be super smart, but maybe someone is keeping him alive because of his knowledge, and maybe they value that. So I, I'm still not convinced he has any powers. So you think that being 105 is unnatural? Yes. Because I would say that in a technologically advanced society, as we are seeing that as built within Watchmen, that would be a natural conclusion that people live longer. We see that in our own society. We live much longer than our predecessors, and therefore a lot of it has to do with the concept of technology. It's a good point. Uh, He's the only old character we've seen so far, so I just, I'm not quite on board with that as of yet but you you might be right if they show more people or maybe have some kind of detail in the background about age you i I love this technology point but then again they don't have cell phones so i don't really know how advanced they are uh it looks like they're advanced in certain areas that might better mankind but not for convenience like cell phones so it's interesting i think that's a great point and we also have the coincidences the scrambled eggs he's able to unhandcuff himself he's able to go across the street and come back he's able to almost calculate the moment a phone call is coming in the ding happens a phone call happens and he's already aware of the response of the phone call then he makes the claim that i have friends in high places goes outside and is able to escape through the use of at least what we could possibly imagine is an alien contraption at the most and a man-made yet alien functioning contraption at the least with a magnet in order to lift the entire car. How would he be able to know all these things would happen? He states that he's Dr. Manhattan. We don't think he is. However, he must be more than meets the eye. I feel like they've mentioned Dr. Manhattan a lot this episode, even with like the weird retelling, because that wasn't, 
how it happened, right? She was like really. It was. Uh, she was, was freaked out, wasn't she? It, when it it was a retelling. It was yeah, the, but it wasn't like an accurate. an abridged yeah version. But I feel like I don't know. I think Doctor Man. Last episode we briefly saw him, but was that actually him? I think Ma- they're really hammering home. He's on Mars. Doctor Manhattan, you know he's on Mars, of course. Like they're really putting that in the dialogue. And I think last episode we saw a quick video newsreel shot mm-hmm. of him on Mars, which is very blurry. So as far as we know, they want us to think he's on Mars. Well, that could be your best friend. What's his name? Damon Lindelof. Exactly. <laughs> He's very precise with his dialogue, right. and we all know this. There is no contraptions. He does not play time stories, which is when you just add dialogue in order to condense time. There is none of that with him, as we've seen in his past shows, such right. as Lost. No filler. So, why would we keep hearing Dr. Manhattan is on Mars if it won't be part of a tell later? It's an interesting point. I mean, maybe this could go really deep into some conspiracy, but maybe they, the government wants you to think he's on Mars. Maybe he disappeared and just to keep peace, like Mars was a safe place for him. The last time he was on Earth, you know, people um, don't necessarily have the best idea of him. They thought, you know, in the comics, they thought he was causing cancer. They thought uh, he was more of a problem than a hero. So I think that, that that could be a unique story that we follow later down the line. Um, I mean, you're, the more you talk about Will with these powers, he might have a psychic ability, which would be really fascinating. And it's interesting to see that that might be the reason that he was able to survive this this long, or that's the reason. I want to go back and see episode one in, the, in that first opening scene in Tulsa. Like maybe as a kid he had that power. Maybe that's how he survived that entire uh, occasion, Or maybe his power is knowledge, as Drew pointed out. <laughs> there is a vast insidious conspiracy at play here in Tulsa. We don't know what it is, but we do know we love talking about it with each and every one of you. Thank you so much for your comments below. And of course, the fourth member of this Horseman team is in the booth. Her name is Steph Sabra. Steph! How you doing, Steph? Hello. Hi. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be introduced like I didn't this. know I was going to not be invited to a party that you all wow. had. So that is Boom. how we are all... Finding out things about one another. <laughs> Look at this, all disappointed. Look at this family we have here. <laughs> it's a very dysfunctional yet super functioning family, and we enjoy each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family. Yeah, you guys, we're not just an after show that does comic books. We also have a lot of other channels that you sh- guys should go and like and subscribe to. We do reality TV. We do awesome interviews. We do movies. We got popcorn we talk. Got popcorn talk, you know. Black Hollywood, Black Hollywood Live. Live. There's some great shows over there, so you guys should go check it out. We're not just on YouTube. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so make sure you guys go check us out. Give us five stars. Like us right now. I'll give you a second. Please like us, guys. Okay, cool. You should have liked us by now. Um, but for real, thank you guys so much for supporting us and for constantly sharing your opinions and thoughts with us. We really do appreciate it. Um, and thanks for making us the ESPN of TV Talk. That is right. We appreciate each and every one of you. As far as appreciation goes, we appreciated seeing the the hanging of Chief Judd. I don't know if I and when I say appreciated that. it, it's because it came back to play. They did not skip over this as if it happened and now we must go on. There was an actual storyline there. What were your thoughts on this reaction of seeing Chief Judd hung? Hung by a tree, correct. Yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> my reaction was, I mean, obviously... 
at first it was devastating, but then when you learn that he was a potential clan member, you're like, wow, okay, you got there's some justice at hand, but who did the justice? Was it just Will? Was it him and other people? Why now? Like, why is it taking this long? Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. I love the flashback, like I was saying earlier, with him and Angela Abar, and just like learning about their relationship and how like that loss really does mean to her. So she really does have to be certain that he is a bad guy before doing anything, because they were obviously really close uh, and, and basically partners the later years of his life. Uh, I think what, what I learned a lot with that is that you know, they go to Nixonville right after that sequence because they have no one else to, to blame. They just assume it's them. And that whole sequence with the Russian, I guess his name's Red. Red the, Scare. Red okay. Scare. And just of counting down, one bottle's thrown, and it's all out assault. I think that's going to come back next episode for sure. Uh, and, and she has to cool off in the car to just get away from that because she might go off. She unleashed all of her anger on that guy and just punched the shit out of him. It was nuts. Drew, what were your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't, like, super heartbroken over losing him or anything because he was kind of sus all of last episode. But it was interesting to watch how different people handled him uh, passing away from watching Looking Glass and how he's very suspicious of everything, but he's also kind of suffering to how she's just bottling it up. And then we see her take it out on one of the Nixonville residents. residents and then seeing how Red Scare just instantly went for anger it was interesting to watch how they all they all reacted it. very differently i agree i think it's very interesting interesting that jane and angela processed the pain internally and internalized it uh we saw looking glass also in a very rorschach manner have emotions but hide it and then of course red scare did go directly to anger and the police force joined him. Watching that scene where the chief was still hung and then pulling him down, the chief meant so many things to every, everybody, to different people. And the question is asked, who's in charge now? Mm -hmm. Who do you think is going to step up and take that mantle? I think it's whoever takes control of the emotions that's like the dominant emotion of everyone. So in that moment, Red Scare kind of took over because everyone was angry as hell so he was able to channel that and lead it to Nixonville but I think it's whoever can kind of take that anger or emotion and move with it. I think on, I think actually Je Angela Abar, although won't be in the public eye because she can't reveal her identity, uh, so I actually think it's going to be that new, the politician character Joe Keen. Joe Keen. Just Joe. <laughs> Like a current politician. I think uh, he is going to be the one that's taking over in this show because now that there's this opening in the police force and he seemed to know maybe her identity in that yeah. one scene at the at the reunion or the the gathering uh, honoring his death. She said he talks to her as if she's still in the force and she goes, I'm retired. He's like, oh, yeah, of course. So I think he's aware of who she is. Yeah, I also agree that Joe Keen takes up some type of mantle. He's introduced as a character. He's got this Judd quality where we question his motives as well. I am, however, going to throw this out where I don't believe that the KKK outfit belonged specifically to Chief Judd. I believe it was his father and mm. the, the, the son paid for the sins of the father ultimately looking because we see a lot of people paying for the sins of others, especially on the Christmas surprise. We get this wonderful scene between Cal and Angela at home. 
sharing a love in front of a Christmas tree. We've seen them be a loving family. And then, of course, the White Knight, in which the Rorschachs simultaneously attack all the police force in their homes. Mm-hmm. What was the present? What was the present? That's what I wanted to know. That big present? Yeah. Uh, But I, that was obviously a harrowing scene. Uh, I think we might get more flashbacks like that, maybe for some of the other superhero characters like Looking Glass or Red Scare and just see what that was like. He mentioned 40 cops were attacked and of course her her partner Topher and his wife perished. So I I think that that's a really fascinating Look back, I'm going to mention Damon Lindelof once again, because in the leftover take season, a take a drink, uh, they kept referring back to the event where all the, where 2% of the world's population vanished. Like, where were you on the day of the 13th? Where were you on the night of the White Knight? I think that's a really interesting way to tell more or, or learn more about certain characters through these flashbacks. He's all about flashbacks, so I don't think that's the last time we're getting a White Knight flashback. Yeah, I'm... I'm interested to see like how it did affect everyone. I was kind of waiting for them to drop how many people actually died from it because they said 40 people were attacked, but obviously not all 40 people died. So I was I didn't know how big of like a massacre it is and what happened after. Like I'm just interested to know more about what happened as a whole. I felt when they said 40 people, it was actually kind of a low number. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was expecting it to be a simultaneous event all across the United States. Do we know it's not? We don't. But okay. when the mention is 40 people were attacked simultaneously, right. I feel that there would have been continuation and it happened all across yeah. America. Mm. And that's also... In every major city or something to that. 40 is also a low number for a police force. So, like, what made those people, like, the targets? Yeah, in comparison to the others. Specifically Tulsa, perhaps. Yes. I mean, yeah. Will, Will has that line in this episode where he's like, there's something going on. There's a big conspiracy in sure. Tulsa. I'm not going to lay it off for you right now because it would destroy your brain. Vast and insidious. Vast and insidious. Those are very, very telling words to use. We've been hearing about the White Knight. The White Knight unfails itself. We see that Angela survives mm. after being shot point blank. Now, Ryan, you had a theory or have a prevailing theory where Chief... The chief is actually the one who did not continue to kill Angela. I think it was Crawford. I think it could be. I mean, they that's a direct fade from that person with the shotgun to him in this entire episode. They were do there were a lot of match cut editing going on here with film term. I mean, we had from wristwatches to a clock to, to articulate the passage of time. We had her hugging Crawford to her hugging her husband. Like really unique cuts, like right on the nose and. If we're following that pattern, that means the person with the shotgun was Crawford because it goes right into him. Drew, are you buying into this? I kind of am. I'm also still looking side eye at um, the wife of Crawford. Not saying that she Jane. did it, but I don't trust that she's innocent in it. Um, so I'm looking oh, side eye at both of them. That's a good theory. Thinking yeah. that Jane had something to do with it. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, um, if if it's a talk on race and everything it's really easy to view white women as victims and no one ever suspects that they like do anything. But then when you look at like, for instance, this recent, not recent, but this last election, they were the vast majority of people who voted for a racist president. So it's a really good point. Well, it's interesting to think about it. I wonder what you at home think. Let us know in the comments below. Is the chat alive with the chatter? Chat is alive and well. We got Gracie and Ryan saying, I agree with Ryan. <laughs> good good call. Uh, I love the newsstand interaction uh, from Shingrel, and it was probably just their, just their 
their district. I'm not sure if there are more. They did mention with the squids, the reigning squids, there was that, that scene at the food truck or mm-hmm. the newsstand where um, he mentioned there were four simultaneous cities getting rained on with squids. So yes. that could, I don't know how this would connect, but that could infer like maybe those are all the districts where uh, these attacks could have happened. Like what is the significance of the, the targeted reigning squids around the country and have they never happened all at the same time before? So, yeah, I mean, the chat's, the chat's loving it. Some people think that the FBI is going to be the ones that take over instead of uh, Joe Keane. So, yeah, the chat's alive and well. Keep commenting, guys. We'll shout you out. We definitely love hearing from you. Let's go to Nixonville. Well, Nixonville. Ne- let's not go to Nixonville. Okay. It doesn't look like a place I'd like to go. I'm However, good. it is a camp of sorts where we know that Nixon is the prevailing, uh, the pre- prevailing political uh, ideology there and we're going to insinuate that this is some type of racist ideology in which these are groups of people who are extreme right mm. and are the immediate suspects for the chief's attack. What were your thoughts on this course of action, Drew? Um, obviously, like, I wasn't agreeing with let's, let's go straight to Nixonville and, you know, get lit. But, um... I, I think it's interesting that it's Nixonville and they're living kind of in poverty and they're obviously really angry off the jump because a lot of Nixon's beliefs were that, or he helped instill the belief for a lot of super right um, white Americans that, you know, the economy and how government is run isn't the problem, but it's these people of color who are coming in and, you know, taking your spaces and taking your jobs and taking your wealth, your money. So it's really easy to direct all that anger to them. So. I don't know. I thought um, it, w- it was an interesting scene for sure. And it's interesting to see like some of them are living in tents and like trailers and all of that. Is, I don't know. I think it really speaks on how you might have this horrible side that like that's being depicted like with Nixonville and that when a cop is attacked or killed, they are the people you immediately think because mm-hmm. it was this... Uh, that group of people that did carry out that white knight. So they are the immediately go-to. Like, oh, people who share your ideology must have done this, so let's just go there. Couldn't possibly be anyone else, which can speak on maybe what uh, what Will was planning when he hung uh, Crawford, because maybe he just wants to take advantage of that immediate reasoning, that immediate act on judgment on, that, hey, if we just hang a police officer for our own reasoning, it, they won't even look at us because they're just going to assume it's Nixonville. So I think that's really, it's saying something very unique about uh, assuming with, with with certain crimes. So uh, yeah, I think that that just speaks on, hey, if a cop dies, they immediately look at a certain group of people, which is this carrying metaphor throughout this entire season. Yeah, because it's interesting too, Red Scare did, said he did, that some of them were Calvary and some of them weren't and he doesn't care who was and who wasn't so it there was an acknowledgement of like I know technically half of you aren't guilty for this but now you're getting rounded up because you represent it like visually yeah. mm-hmm. I believe it's very interesting to see a racial juxtaposition where we see this type of merit happen oftentimes in in black neighborhoods and now we're seeing an all-white neighborhood being treated in this manner also some gross miscarriage of justice when it happens to either or i completely believe in the uh, justice judicial system even though it fails us it's not the system that fails us it's the people behind it and we should not allow that in a civil society there should be a system of checks and balances and rights and their rights were completely violated they were not 
asked questions they were not given rights and now we see once again a dichotomy between the first time when we saw police interaction where the police had to go through so many checks because of panda and now what happens when you have total martial law or martial rule in which the police have total authority to do or commend any actions which they feel feels upon them i do not agree with the actions of what happened in nixonville it is mm. also a, a gross misjustice of 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 judicial review mm. it's actually very interesting to watch this happen interestingly interestingly enough we get a man on the porch and then we get a scene with Topher. Who is this man? I'm assuming it might be the rightful guardian of the kids. So it could be Topher's brother or uncle. Uncle, any any kind of relative like that and maybe he's just not a great guy. So that's it's, it's his day to check on them but he takes a check instead. Great line. <laughs> yeah, I was assuming maybe like a grandfather cuz he doesn't look Super old, but he does look like he could be a grandpa. Maybe. I'm thinking an uncle of the kids. I think grandfather might be a little older, unless, like you said, these technological advances in health are that good. But uh, I mean, he wasn't that old, so I'm, I might rule out grandfather. It's hard Anything's to tell possible. Old white men, they could be thirty or. <laughs> well, we don't know how young Topher was. Uh, we don't know how young these these parents were to begin with. So if, he, if they were, were really young, yeah, maybe he could be the grandfather. I I also think it's a family member that had some type of of rights to the children, but clearly Angela and Cal are the ones taking care of them, and Topher is the oldest. Topher is the one who was probably the one who most understood what happened at the time, mm -hmm. and therefore Angela does not beat around the bush and tells him directly what happened to Judd, his uncle Judd, who wasn't his real uncle anyway. I thought it was a really interesting it's interesting to see how Topher processes um, trauma because like obviously the thing that happened with his parents and then you see him watching um, what was the show American Hero American Hero Story and he's you know it's giving you all these warnings and he's not even they're not batting an eye that he's watching it and he looks bored almost like he's desensitized to um, everything that's happening and I thought that was really interesting because I think that's a big reflection of us right now you know there's just so much like trauma porn almost in the news and in tv and it kind of makes you desensitized to all of these things that are happening constantly yeah i think they can even speak to all those disclaimers up top are there in this version of society and yet he still is desensitized to it and people are always complaining that there's not enough disclaimers there's not enough warnings there's not enough ad blocks or anything for for children but even in a society like this one where there are he, they're still as desensitized. So, like, what does it mean? Topher, it obviously, is no stranger to death mm. or anything negative. And therefore, Angela feels she sees a lot of herself in Topher. She sees a lot of herself. And we see from Topher's actions in the previous episode, he obviously has some sensitivity to any of these issues. Where he gets extremely upset when someone brings up refredations towards his mother or his adopted mother angela so it's it's great to see that motherly instinct in angela and that wall that exists within topher the only thing that concerns me though is it feels a little bit like um you should just because a kid has seen it before doesn't mean that they should be pro like handling it and it almost seems like 
because of how she grew up, she's passing on this generational like coping mechanism that clearly isn't necessarily healthy because we see how it, you know, isn't the most healthy for her. But it's at, like it's her going in the survival mode. So she's kind of pushing it on him, but obviously that's not healthy for him either. Look at Drew's motherly instincts mm. kicking in. <laughs> American Hero Story, Hood of Justice. Really interesting world building. Can't wait to watch that show. Oh, uh, yeah, can't wait to watch it. I think that was a really unique sequence. And I think we're going to find out who that might be inspired by um, or who actually donned that mask. The thought did cross my mind that what if Will was actually that hero in the past and they just, in the movie, they got the race incorrect. Like that just wasn't documented or they just didn't get it down because um, I think that'll be a really unique uh, follow through uh, and I also think you know he has a rope around his neck so what it will do he hung Crawford so that would fall in line with that character in that movie who has the noose around his neck so that's an interesting that might be getting too close to predictions right there but um, I think it's just so fascinating how this world how this show is subtly giving you an idea of what this world is like even when uh, Angela is talking to Topher and he's just playing with some kind of Lego set and it's floating. Like we're in this world where th- there's some kind of magnetism there that's allowing this whatever toy he's using to float. Like they have that technology. That's how people stay entertained. Um, it's so unique. And and her visit to the um, the museum and just, just learning about the history, how they have preserved this Tulsa riot history, how they, they acknowledge it a lot. Whereas in our world, this past week, that's all anyone was talking about because no one talked about it before. It's really fascinating world building. The museum kind of did remind me of um, the African American Museum that's in D.C. now, but obviously without all of the holograms and yeah. whatnot. So I, I do think there's an effort being made to make things like the Tulsa Massacre more... Um, prevalent but we still have a long way to go but i do agree with maybe the hidden justice guy is well i didn't think about that but well with the hooded justice we actually know who the character is hooded justice comes directly from the watchman the watchman hooded justice is the original vigilantes the first person and the charter member of the Minutemen. uh the he had the body of a wrestler and wore a hood and a noose it would be interesting because we never do know who Hooded Justice is. He's never given a name. So if he is Will Reeves, that would be an interesting uh, coincidence and reveal. However, in the show, he was given the name Rolf Mueller. And in the beginning, we see Freeline Mueller is the assistant, the typist, who is brought in to type that uh, notification for the African-American, oh, wow. African-American soldiers, which is dumped from the plains, which was something that happened during the war to dissuade African-American soldiers from fighting on the side of the Americans. Because during World War II, there was a very anti-African-American sentiment and an actual, uh, there was an actual strong push for Nazis. Let's not forget that Hitler did make the time man of the year. Yeah, I was, I was actually really interested to hear what your thoughts were on that because... It really fascinating opening scene in this in this episode as well, where like you said, it's the Nazis dropping these letters, which I guess we didn't know until this episode. That's what was on the other side of that paper Will had, um, and it's just kind of saying like, man, you're fighting for a country that's so against you, segregated, racist, and yeah, like we're pretty bad, but we don't do that. 
we don't do that here. So it, what, what funny you that think Nazis that? are saying that. However, at the <laughs> same time, there was a sentiment that a lot of African American soldiers went overseas and then came back home to a very segregated world. And right. It was such a horrible position for them to put on, be put in, and a lot of African American soldiers, including the Tuskegee Airmen, were subject to segregation even within the armed forces itself. So it's an interesting nudge. I can see why those pamphlets could work. Really interesting method, (laughs) super tactful by the Nazis. Um, And yeah, and it's carried over uh, all the way. He's he's kept that letter. And is it because of what was written on the back or vice versa? Just that sequence of of him picking it, because that was his father's uh, letter. And just that's what he he wrote for him. I'm really curious to see, like, why his father kept that that entire time. Like, he, he must have held on to that all throughout war. So that was a reaction that became World War One when we first see the father and the son together. And we also get a lot of that backstory. What else we get is, of course, the reveal of the KKK hood that's in the closet and the memorial in which we get these characters of Joe Keane. I also enjoyed... As everyone's pointing out, the Greenwood Center for Cultural Heritage and how that plays out. Then we go to a whole different storyline that is happening simultaneously, which is Ozzy and his play. We get this reveal of Mr. Philip and and the and the helpers being clones. Crook, yeah, Crookshanks. question mark. Clones? Question mark. It's it's all really like that whole storyline is really uncomfortable. I don't know, like <laughs> I don't know. There's. Just the the replaying the whole the cake thing every day. It seems like that's a daily routine where they celebrate him and then to do the play. And you think at first I was like, oh, they're robots. And well, that's what a lot of people on Twitter and stuff are saying. And I was like, oh, that sounds reasonable. But it's like, no, he was dead, dead when he <laughs> when he went in that little box and got lit up. Um, and then for them to be revealed that they're all a bunch of I don't know. It's just weird. And it kind of feels like sexually perverse too at the same time like there's just something really weird going on there and i don't like it it makes me feel uncomfortable something really off in fact what's what's really fascinating this morning drink one damon lindelof tweeted out screenshots of the screen of the the screenplay for last week's episode in for the scene with with uh jeremy irons character ozymandias and he was just talking about because everyone was is theorizing like what's that to do with the show it feels like such a departure from the rest of the storyline and in in his writing, he's intentionally trying to get people to react like, what the heck's going on? He even writes that um, outside of the dialogue. Like, I want the audience to feel what is happening, what is going on, where are we? And I think that's the same exact feeling we got here, but with more context. Context. I think that this uh, just further pushes the point he's obsessed with Dr. Manhattan. He wrote a play about his origin story right there, just reenacting it. And he's just killing off henchmen who are just inferior to him throughout this entire process and I thought that was such a unique reveal pulling off the mask showing another Mr. Phillips calling him Montrose now you're Mr. Phillips really cool I'm, I'm, I'm loving the cloning idea I definitely think he's cloning people and man that just opens up a whole new box of worms like who's cloned it definitely does We I got the prestige vibes there with the clones we do know that allegedly Tesla had created something like that doesn't feel that Tesla and Ozzy are so separate of people or if Ozzy would not take up for Tesla we will find out that and more but for right now let's get into our special segment buy or sell or we either buy or sell something from this week's episode Let's start with Mr. Buy or Sell himself, Ryan Nielsen. Man, uh, buy or sell. So for, I'm going to buy car magnets at the end of this episode. <laughs> Major buy on that. I think that that was another... 
Chichin, another Night Owl uh, ship similar. I think there, there are multiple of these of these ships, and that might be his friend in the high place. This might be an older Night Owl saving Will from Angela Avar. So I am buying Carmine. Drew, what are you buying? I am buying, not literally, but I'm buying German propaganda. <laughs> Just because I like that they're giving these, they're kind of slipping these history nods in there, that things that a lot of people didn't know about. So a lot of people didn't know that that was going on. I think it's cool that they brought it up. A lot of people did learn about the 1921 Tulsa riots from last week and this week. We might learn even more. I will be buying the concept of William Reeves being the person pulling all these strings. But we will find out that and more. Let's get into our news and gossip, shall we? After Buzz TV News. Getting on CNBC.com, HBO's Watchmen makes headlines as HBO's Watchmen is getting review bombed, but that won't scare off any viewers. Review bombing, as many of you know, is when when, uh, people go on Rotten Tomatoes' website and leave one-star reviews, especially those who are disgruntled viewers. However, we get a 98% from critics. And a 43% from audience, there's clearly a gap. A complete disrespect of the source material, said one commentator. We have enough politics in our lives right now. Can we just escape a little? No! No. That is what entertainment is. If you don't like it, don't watch it. However, as we know with the show's ratings, a lot of people are watching it. The show is indeed taking liberties with the source material, but if it's a victim of review bombing, writer, social media specialist, and advocate Chad McDonald said it has nothing to do with the quality of the show. It is the product of an orchestrated effort, and we should watch out for that. Beware the message, not the messenger. Definitely. And if you don't like what you're hearing, maybe you should be worried about why you're hearing it in the first place. Let's talk about some predictions. Yes. Your AfterBuzz TV predictions. I had one earlier that I said. Yes. With Will potentially being Hooded Justices. Hooded Justice from the Minutemen. I think that would be a really cool and bold move that would definitely not help with the news you were just describing with people who might be too loyal to the comic or just don't love the political uh, side that it's taking. So that that's my big prediction. Although I, I will also predict, I think that everything going on with Ozymandias is just leading to a, a major confrontation between him and Dr. Manhattan. I think, uh, like I said, I think he's obsessed with Dr. Manhattan. He was obsessed with him during the uh, uh, during the graphic novel, and I think we're going to get that showdown. Drew? Um, I think that Judd's wife, Jane? Jane. Jane, I don't think she is all that innocent, and I think there's something... I think we're going to find out something about her. I don't trust her. And... I think that Dr. Manhattan is not on Mars. Mm. Interesting. I think that uh, Chief Judd was atoning for the sins of his family and not necessarily for himself. And possibly that Will Reeves is not the last time we see him. I'm hoping to see more. Angela should have asked better questions. Yes. Also, with regards to the title, the Comanche are a Native American nation from the Great Plains whose historic territory consisted of most present-day northwestern Texas and adjacent areas. And they were amazing horsemen. So, let's go to that, and I'm sure we'll learn much, much more. Until then, where can people find you if you want to be found? Ryan Nielsen. You find me at Ryan Nielsen. Also, that was in the painting in the Crawford home. It that they was. zoomed in on at Ryan Nielsen underscore play the outro music. 
Drew, <laughs> where can people find you besides <laughs> the parties that you don't invite me to? Uh, I'm your girl, Drew Jones. You guys can find me on all the things at OK Drew J. And if you like DC, check me out on Black Lightning and The Flash on Tuesdays. And of course, I am Tehran, literally at I am Tehran all across the board. You can find me there, but not at Drew's parties. And you can find me hosting and paneling on a slew of other After Buzz After Shows because all of your favorite TV shows are my favorite TV shows, too. Until next week, we will be talking way more Watchmen. Excited to hear more. See you. Who watches? TikTok. The Watchmen. TikTok, 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 TikTok. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 